We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68 Media Network presents Red is the New Orange, a Syracuse basketball podcast. Vince intercepts a pass, breakaway for the freshman guard, he flies and slams! Aerial assault from Judah Vince. Looking to go back door to Bell, they get it to a mere corner, three, knocks it down! Chris Bell, the sharpshooter. Bringing you everything you need to know out of the 3-1-5. Up top, Williams searches ahead, up with the right hand and in! A pretty up-and-under move from Betty Williams to beat his man. Over to Taylor. He skips into the lane, puts up a floater, and drops in. Let's get it started with your host, Ian Unsworth and Johnny Gadamowitz. Well, maybe you're still riding off the high of the Colgate victory, as you should, considering how much of a thriller that was for the Cuse. But we've got news. It's time to get your bathing suits. It's time to get your scuba gear Whatever, whatever tropical Jimmy activities you prefer, a little Jimmy Buffett on the radio, because SU Men's Hoops is going to Maui. In fact, not even going to Maui. They're already in Maui as we welcome you in to another edition of Red is the New Orange, part of the Field of 68 podcast network. As always, alongside Ian Unsworth, my name is Johnny Gadamowitz. Appreciate you hanging out with us. You can find us wherever you get your, po- your podcasts. We're over on Twitter at F68 underscore Cuse. And make sure also you go give a check out to the Field of 68's main channel because not just Maui, but all sorts of Thanksgiving week tournaments going on across the college basketball landscape. They've got you covered with all of them. So plenty of good content going on over there. But as far as Maui is concerned, Ian, here we go. Feels like it's been a date that's been circled on the calendar for Orange fans for quite some time. It all starts Monday afternoon against a Tennessee Volunteers team that is one of the better teams in this field of eight. Three games in three days. Syracuse certainly has momentum on its side, but now a real test looming large during this week. What are the odds we see Dino Babers in Maui? Oh. That's my question. <laughs> does does Dino somehow, some way, end up with the Ohana after getting a pink slip on Sunday. And I have I have to admit, I was incorrect in when we had Joe Puccio on and he had just called the Yankee Stadium game and we were talking Dino and football. And I said, you know, we'll ride out the year. I, Syracuse making me eat my words. I mean, you can only watch so many games of your tight end running the Wildcat. I think that's where you have to draw the line if you're John Wildhack. Oh, but all things considered, 
Feast Week is one of the greatest weeks of college basketball just because the sheer amount of good games you get. And also, the Maui tournament is just spectacly, I mean, from the eye test, one of the coolest things all year. Between the shots of the beaches, and you got Jay Billis and Dan Shulman wearing Hawaiian polos. The coaches, the coaches stalking the sideline in these floral shirts, wearing all types of different, you know, Lays, yeah. yeah, the crazy colored shoes and all that stuff makes for such a great, great scene. Unfortunately, it's not in the usual arena this year. They usually have it at a community center in Maui, the Lahaina Civic Center. But due to the wildfires, that uh, the Civic Center incurred some damage. So they had to move it to uh, the University of Hawaii's arena. So it won't have that small like rec center feel that it usually does. But still, it, it's still a great opportunity for the players to you know get out of central New York, all power to them, and uh, play some great competition. Starting off with Tennessee, a team that's really old, still really physical, and really good. Rick Barnes coached against Adrian Autry in the 90s. Rick Barnes was the coach at Providence from 90 to 94 when Red Autry was playing point guard for Syracuse. So these two have known each other for a long time. Yeah, you can almost call it for full circle in a sense. I think all three of these teams, Ian, are what? Top 11 potentially that Syracuse could see over the next two days? When You, talk you could, have, Tennessee, you could have five top 10 teams. The AP's coming out later today. Right. You could have five top 10 teams in this tournament. And then you got Syracuse and Chaminade. Definitely an interesting makeup as far as the bracket goes. Um, talking about Tennessee, though, obviously a volunteers team that I think, you know, I look at it, Ian, and I think the word that comes to mind is deep. They bring back a lot, but they reload too, right? You talk about the transfer of Dalton Connect, and I know this is someone who we've brought up on our podcast before looking ahead to this matchup. Coming over from Northern Colorado, a guy who can – Get a bucket, at least he could last year. You wonder how that's going to translate over to SEC play. Uh, but, you know, I think it goes just beyond connect as well, right? You think of Tennessee teams of the past and their MO, at least last year and, and even in years prior to under Barnes, was always the defense, right? That they were going to be a sharp, defensively oriented team that was really going to make life tough for you at all three levels, right? In the paint, in the mid-range, beyond the arc. This year, I think what sort of separates them from the pack and and is a reason that so many people across the college basketball world are so high on them is because they check the box offensively now as too. And that's not to say they haven't in years past. But No, it, they haven't. It's, like, it's okay to say they haven't. Yeah, they they, haven't. They've, struggled. they've struggled offensively. This year, it feels like they won't have as tough of a time putting up consistent points at a consistent rate. Connects the guy that unlocks their offense when it all comes down to it, because they, they run a lot of blocker mover kind of stuff. The same stuff you see uh, Tony Bennett running at Virginia. And honestly, it's because they got the same type of players, great defensively, tough minded will, you know, grind you for 40 minutes, but most of the time, just not very skilled with the basketball until you bring in connect. Who's a fantastic story. Wanted to go to Colorado all his life, bad grades in high school. Went to JUCO for two years, absolutely tore it up. Didn't get the Colorado offer after two years at JUCO. So went to Northern Colorado for a year, averaged like 18 points, shot the crap out of the ball. Then Colorado finally offers. But at that point, it's time for him to take a, a much bigger step. 
because he was one of the top five transfers hands down this offseason. So he can light it up from three. He will be aggressive and go to the hole. Um, yeah, he, he, he looks like your normal. Like If you just look at this guy, he's not super bulky. He's not super muscular. But he's got bounce, and he will attack you in the hole. He's fearless. I think that's the main thing you can say about him, and it, it fits in the Tennessee profile. They used to have enforcers. There's a dude last year on the team named Euros Plopsic that would just throw elbows for the heck of it. Like he was their enforcer, like you know, a goon in hockey to get in fights. This year they don't have that, but it's still a fearless team. The other thing is the team's still old. It it's still littered with fourth year, fifth year guys that have played a lot of basketball. Josiah Jordan James and Santiago Vescovi have been at Tennessee. It, it seems like since we started college, Johnny, back in 2019, Vescovy still a lights out shooter. That's his MO. He'll just run around screens off the perimeter, which I think is a big problem for Syracuse. You really have to keep him in check because if he makes one and just catches it off the ball, he'll keep on shooting. He hits four or five. That gap goes from five to 15 and, and you need to rethink your defense. Absolutely. Vescovy, obviously, an all-SEC type guy. You mentioned the pedigree as far as bringing him back. Yet to really hit his stride too much this season, per se. But again, still early, and you know that experience factor is going to play a large role. Another guy I wanted to bring up as well, uh, Jordan Ganey. They bring in a USC Upstate transfer, who's another one of these guys. Around 40% from beyond the arc as an underclassman. Obviously, stiffer competition, but still obviously can stroke it. Want to hit on this defense, too, because we know they're going to be stout. And I think what's interesting for me when we flip things here from a Syracuse standpoint, I don't think Syracuse will have faced a perimeter defense yet that is going to hound Judah Mintz and J.J. Starling as much as this volunteers back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Josiah Jordan James. Um, obviously, he's someone who is going to harass Syracuse's guards all day long. Zakai Ziegler. Another name, they're working him back to full strength after. Yeah, he's coming off a leg injury in the NCAA tournament last year, but he is a pest. Oh, that's my phone alarm. (laughs) Oversleeping here. But you talk about the two of them, and I think Ziegler and James in particular going up against Mintz and Starling, that's going to be a matchup to watch, right? Can Mintz and Starling find a way to still pour in the same production offensively? And if they can't, who steps up, right? This might be the game where, albeit 10 minutes from Benny Williams against Colgate, still getting him acclimated, you might need Benny to pour in 15 points offensively to sort of mitigate what Mintz and Starling might lack thanks to that Volunteers perimeter defense. Yeah, they guard the perimeter well. Teams this year are shooting under 25% from three. The best team they've played this year is Wisconsin, not a team historically known for lighting it up from behind the arc, so... Again, small sample size, but you combine that with the thumpers they have inside. There's a guy named Toby Owaka and Jonas Adu. Those two cats are big and they rebound. Adu will swing his limbs to protect the rim. But if Judah and JJ go inside, it might feel like the 90s because they're going to get contacted and they will get knocked around. This is not going to be a game for the faint of heart. And unfortunately, Johnny, Syracuse in the early going has given us the indication that 
they might be a little faint of heart starting off. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned that Wisconsin game, you know, a 10 point victory for Tennessee. A team. It never, it never really seemed like Wisconsin had a chance to get in the game. That was yeah. the thing. Tennessee was up by six, seven, connected a couple big shots down the stretch and Wisconsin didn't have any offense to respond with. I do wonder though, Ian, and maybe this is me being hopelessly optimistic in that, you know, them having not really been tested yet, despite all those returners and despite what they bring to the table from a talent standpoint, if nothing else, when you consider how Syracuse had to fight and claw and scratch their way to come back against Colgate, granted Colgate and Tennessee, two very different programs, but at the end of the day, I do wonder if that level of having your backs against the wall that, that Syracuse already has, that Tennessee is yet to experience this year, is something that in a close game, if you're under 10 minutes to go in the second half and the Orange are within single digits, um, if that's something that, that could lend itself to a Syracuse standpoint. Tennessee played Wisconsin in the Kohl Center on the road. So that is an environment Syracuse hasn't experienced. True. And both of these Orange fan bases will travel rather well. I assume Tennessee's always got a pretty good contingent when it comes to those road games. And again, the team is experienced. I don't think I'd be that concerned about Rick, if I'm Rick Barnes, about jitters, about getting in an unknown environment, because your guys have played in NCAA tournaments, Sweet 16s, lost to Florida Atlantic last year in the Elite Eight, right? There's... There's not a whole lot of guys on this team that'll blink. Right. They'll they'll be locked in. And since they go eight, nine deep, all right, well, guys, guys struggling, we can just swap them out. We'll get them right. out, get them out of there for another feisty, athletic, tough perimeter defender. So one more thing, Johnny. Yeah. Tennessee will let teams hold on to the ball on defense. Possession length around 20 seconds. 20 seconds, that's like bottom 15 in the country, but their adjusted defensive efficiency is top five, which means over a hundred possessions, they're allowing under 90 points. Just, it's just, it's going to be a grind and Syracuse needs to be mentally tough. I don't know if we've seen that for a full 40 minutes yet. Yeah. You mentioned obviously the way they had to fight and claw and scratch against Colgate. It's going to be a different level of adversity against this Vols defense that has just been relentless for years, continues to be relentless, and sort of a tough code for Syracuse to have to crack. I will say this, with the way Tennessee's football season has gone, uh, they, they, they are desperate <laughs> for a good hoops here. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. We'll shift gears a little bit here, Ian. Um, as far as Game 2 is concerned, Syracuse with the potential to see either Purdue or Gonzaga, two teams that are obviously – you know, cream of the crop type programs in their own right. We'll hit on Purdue first here. Um, needless to say, anytime you're a number one seed and, and you lose to a 16, not that that happens very often, uh, you're going to come out and play with a chip on your shoulder that following year. And I think for Matt Painter's crew, you know, we talked about how experienced Tennessee is. I think that same level of experience sort of applies to Purdue. And again, it's about that sort of reloading, right? Going out there and addressing the holes you need, filling the spots you know you need filling to make sure you're in a good spot. Um, but I think unfinished business is definitely a word that comes to mind. Um, and obviously when you have a player in the year candidate in Zach Eady and maybe the front runner for it, that's going to help you out big time. I think too, you know, 
this is a Purdue squad, Ian, that, that could potentially be better than last year if that's even possible, right? You talk no, about I agree. 15 and 5 in the Big Ten. That's tough to top. But what they did in the offseason to bring in a guy like Lance Jones from Southern Illinois, again, I mentioned, you know, filling a spot and recognizing those holes. Um, th- this is this is a squad that really looking up and down the roster, they have the depth, they have the experience, and they are. Go- it's going to be tough for any team, let alone Syracuse, to catch them on an off day. They play a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. It is tough. After Maui, they've got in succession – Iowa as an early conference game. The Big Ten started doing that this year, just like the ACC. Yep. And then Alabama, Arizona. Thanks for playing. Yeah. And so Purdue knows that the expectations on them this year are heavy. Zach Eady, again, will average probably close to a double-double. He'll be unstoppable. He's just that big. He's that good. Now, does Syracuse have a body that can at least match him size-wise? Yeah, but will that again, body give them more than fifteen minutes? Is the question. Yeah, and then who's coming off the bench? I don't think you can have Malik Brown on Zach Eady in good conscience. So we'll see what happens there. Maybe Munir Hema gets his first run of the season if these two teams match up again. Purdue has to lose to Gonzaga, or Syracuse has to. You, you know, if Syracuse wins, they play the winner. If Syracuse loses, they play the loser. So Purdue would have to do whatever Syracuse does to match them. Other thing about these Boilermakers, Johnny, while Zach Eady is great, they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson last year because they had two freshman guards kind of shrink from the spotlight in the last couple minutes. Braden Smith, the point guard, not the same. Braden Smith from Colgate and Braden Smith from Purdue, two completely different people. Just so happens we're running into them back to back. I called a football game this last weekend. There were two Tyler Smiths, and they both played running back for the same team. All right. So it's been worse. But Braden Smith for Purdue really struggled to get the ball in the post against Fairleigh Dickinson. And the Knights were throwing out junk defenses, playing zones, trapping, all that sort of stuff. But he and Fletcher Lawyer are the key to Purdue being great. Because Edie can get his, but if no one else scores, then you've got a problem. Because even though Edie's big, you can't play him 40 minutes. You just can't. So Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer really have to produce. And this is where I think Syracuse could give Purdue a little trouble. What do we talk about against Colgate? You heat up the ball, you press, you trap, you cause some chaos, and you get things at your pace. Turn them over, play fast. You beat Zach Eady down the floor. So the key to this game for Syracuse, if it happens, is pressuring Braden Smith and Fl- and Fletcher Lawyer. Would would you almost go as far to say that that Syracuse has the backcourt advantage? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that Judah Mintz will be the best guard on the floor right. when it comes down to it. I, would, I mean, I have no... Uh, there's no hesitation in saying that because he is more athletic right. than Smith and Lawyer. He's a better driver. He's better at drawing fouls. Lawyer can shoot the lights out of the ball, uh, especially from the mid-range. He loves to settle into those 17-footers. Uh, his older brother played at Michigan State, played at Davidson. So it's a basketball family, too. But Smith is more of your traditional point guard. Set up my guys. Maybe look for my shot a couple times. And if he gets hot, he'll keep on going. But he's not not going to be a score first guy unlike JJ and Judah who are looking to get to the rack every chance they get a big reason Purdue has found success early on this year and and granted you're looking at their schedule they've played three games and their toughest opponent Xavier a 12 point win uh but but the biggest sort of bugaboo for them in West Lafayette last year Ian I think was this was not a good three-point shooting team whatsoever they were 291st in the country when it came to three-point percentage. And you got those two freshman guards taking the majority of those shots. Right. This year, though, different narrative. I mean, they're up over 46% from three, which I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if you're playing D2, D3 programs. You're shooting nearly, you're making good on nearly one out of every two shots from beyond the arc. That's not easy to do, and this Purdue squad has done it. So I'm curious to see, obviously, that percentage is going to be tough to maintain. But if this Boilermakers team can just add that layer from an offensive standpoint to to have more options and, and to not be hesitant to let it fly, that's something that I think could really unlock their potential as well. And I, I'm going to address the elephant in the room here too here, Ian. I mean, I think this is the game, no question, where if you're Syracuse, you look up and down the entirety of the Syracuse schedule here in 2023, 2024, where you are single-handedly going to miss Jesse Edwards the most. I think that goes without saying. When you think about what Edie brings to the table, when you think about the physicality that Syracuse has needed, and what's the thing we've talked the most about Naheem, Naheem McLeod? The conditioning, right? Is this guy ready coming off a year last year where he didn't really play a ton at Florida State to go out there and put in ACC big man starter type minutes? And so far, the answer has been no. Now, has that been because quality of play versus conditioning? Probably a mix of the two. But at some point, you got to recognize 
that yes, okay, you had the week off. This is still a mid-November game, right? So at no point is Nahima Cloud sort of gone through the ringer and know what it takes to go out there and, and is at a level where he can give you north of 20 minutes. He might have to, again, all of this comes with the facet of if this game occurs, but I just don't know, to your point earlier, how the heck this small ball lineup has any success with a beast like Edie on the low block. Yeah, even if Purdue isn't hitting 46% of their threes, you got a Hoover vacuum down there yeah. who's getting your rebounds and putting it back in. So that's a really, really tough matchup, I think, for any team in the country, but for Syracuse, a team that'll be punched in the face by a physical, tough, experienced Tennessee team to rebound and then take on the number one, number two team in the country, wherever Purdue stands after Gonzaga is going to be really tough. And that's why, Johnny, I didn't put any stock into these games at the beginning of the year. Uh, just, just, just saying. Let's talk a bit about Gonzaga. Um, again, a top 10 team, or at least he should be a top 10 team when the AP comes out later today, seventh in Ken Palm. However, they've only played Yale and Eastern Oregon. I couldn't tell you where in hey, Eastern Oregon. Yale Eastern is really Oregon, good. What? Yale is really good. Don't sleep on Yale. I'm not sleeping on Yale. I'm, I'm very asleep on Eastern Oregon, though. I think Yale did have the have it in you know single digit margin for a majority of the game. Gonzaga's best player is someone who wasn't there a year ago. Ryan Nemhard, uh, probably one of the best point guards in the country, played at Creighton. His older brother Andrew went to Gonzaga. Um, after a couple of years at Florida, and is now a bench guy on the Pacers in the NBA. Nemhard shoots it well, but his best attribute is creating off the pick and roll. And I think that's what Mark Few has set up this team to do. Drew Timmy, no longer there. Uh, Julian Strother, off to the NBA. A Gonzaga team that looks all very different from a year ago, all things considered. They brought in transfers. Braden Huff, is actually their leading scorer through two games. He's come off the bench in both and dropped 21 points per game. So that's something you don't usually see from Gonzaga. Usually it's a team that would ride its starters right. from start to finish. And whether it was Timmy, whether it was Nemhard, you know, even going back a little bit further, Gonzaga teams have relied on their best five guys going down the stretch. Uh, but Nemhard will be the orchestrator of the offense. He'll be the guy they give the ball to in the crunch time. And there are a lot of different supporting options for him. you got Graham Ike, a Wyoming transfer, who's a great back-to-the-basket center and a fantastic passer. Nolan Hickman, off-the-ball guard, does a little bit of everything in support. Dusty Stromer, big-time transfer target. Uh, Anton Watson, kind of do everything big. So Gonzaga has a lot of different pieces that they're still trying to fit together. Most of them have been on campus for more than one year, but it looks very different from the experienced Gonzaga teams of the past that have made deep NCAA tournament runs. Yeah, I think new era is kind of the phrase that comes to mind, right? You talk about a squad that is without seven of their top 10 minute earners uh, from a year ago. It's a new look. But still, they've been a model of consistency. They've proven time and time again that even with newer, younger, different-looking teams, I mean, eight consecutive Sweet 16 appearances, it's tough to find more consistency than that. Um, they they brought in another transfer as well, Ian, that I, hurts them a little bit in that he's out for the year, Steel Venters, who was the big sky most valuable player a year ago. 
Um, they bring him in and expected him to play a large role out for the season with an injury. Uh, something that I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle too with no more Drew Timmy. Obviously, he was the volume scorer, but this guy did a lot. I mean, he led the team in rebounding last year with seven and a half. He also very quietly read the, led the team in assists per game last year with over three. So it, he leaves a big gap to be filled. Um, it, it's not just scoring. I think a lot of people kind of thought, you know, thought of Drew Timmy as the guy who was going to, you know, pace the box score in the scoring department. And so often he did, but he filled so many different roles. Um, th this is the more likely game that I think occurs for Syracuse based on the nature of those first, you know, couple of matchups. Um, and I think also this is the game that you prefer from a Syracuse standpoint, right? And that's not to say that they're more in the same ballpark as Gonzaga than they are Purdue, but I think based on the makeup of, of all these teams, they're just better suited to go give Gonzaga a tough 40 minutes than they are with Purdue, right? I, I could see Purdue being a 25-point game by the half. Um, and I guess, to be fair to, to the Zags, I could see it on the flip side too. But I give the Orange a little more of a puncher's chance for whatever reason. Uh, going up against Mark Few's squad. So we're excited. Um, you know, it, it'll certainly be a lot of funny. And, and I think, you know, we're going to find out a lot about this Syracuse team. You talk about, you know, early season kind of litmus tests. I said it on our podcast back on Friday. You don't have to win. The expectation is, of course, not wins when you're, you know, going up against teams that are heavily favored, like the quality of these programs that you're should playing. Point out. We should yeah. point out that Syracuse is a 13-point underdog, yeah. almost 14, depending on the line movement, a bit later today against Tennessee at our friends at BetMGM. Right. We should just we should just make sure you know where your money's going, and Syracuse is not getting a lot of love from Vegas. But if you want to get in on the action with BetMGM, listen to our friend Rob Doster. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Thirteen and a half bulletin board material, perhaps for Adrian Autry's crew. They will try to get it done coming up Monday afternoon against Tennessee. We'll see. 
We're excited. A whole lot of orange in the building. But Ian, the teams we've hit on today, far from the only other teams in this Maui Invitational, as far as the eight-team field is concerned. We'll do a little bit of some quick hitters here on some of the other squads that are lined up to play this week down in Hawaii, starting with UCLA. UCLA. Lost to Gonzaga last year in a NCAA tournament classic. Lost its main pieces. Tiger Campbell, crazy hair point guard. Jaime Jaquez, small forward that's been there since 2018. Gone. Off to the NBA. So, new look for everyone out there. Mick Cronin's got new guys, but Adem Bona is their best player. A scrappy rebounder. A big man that doesn't have the most polished post moves but is great at just finding his way inside the paint and getting a bucket. So he'll pose a unique problem in that he's a little undersized, but he'll give Malik Brown fits. Big East champs from a year ago, Marquette going up against that UCLA squad. Now Shaka Smart in his third year. Tyler Kolick, best point guard in the country. Small, scrappy, super fun to watch, plays with a chip on his shoulder, and this Marquette team will run you up and down the floor and shoot the lights out. Kansas plays in Maui a lot. This will be their eighth time in program history taking place in this Invitational, and Bill Self's squad certainly has high hopes. Uh, sorry, Chaminade. You you drew the losing <laughs> ticket every year, and this time you get to play against Hunter Dickinson, the best big man not named Zach Eady in the country. By the way, their two guards, Kevin McCuller and Dewan Harris, are probably getting AAA benefits by now. And there is a chance, if the results shape up how a lot of people think they might, that Syracuse could see this Chaminade squad. So, Ian, anything stand out as far as they're concerned? 8-95. and 95. They are the host school for this tournament. Last team they beat was Cal, I think, back in 2017. But Chaminade, just along for the ride. Just having fun. Here for a good time, not a long time. But Syracuse getting ready for the Maui Invitational again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun week for Adrian Autry's crew, and we figure to find out quite a bit about this Syracuse squad over the course of the next three days. That just about does it for this edition of Red is the New Orange. He's Ian Unsworth. I'm Johnny Gadamowitz. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Again, every Monday, Friday at noon, all season long. So excited to have you along for the ride. Syracuse in Hawaii. Time to find out what the orange are made of. Let's go Cuse. We'll catch you next time on Red is the New Orange.